Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I am so, so excited about this one because the person I'm about to interview represents everything my podcast stands for, and that is choosing courage over fear. So Michelle Poehler was born in Venezuela, came to the United States in her teens, and one thing she knew for a fact was that fear was controlling her life and she was not doing a lot of things that she wanted to do because she was scared of it. So instead of running away from it, she decided to make a project out of it. So for 100 days, she faced her 100 fears and documented that on YouTube. So what happened next is absolutely amazing. Her video started to go viral. Millions of people started watching it. She was being featured in all major news channels. And she eventually gave a TED talk. And now she helps people live a courageous life for living. Guys, I had such an incredible time talking with Michelle. I definitely learned a lot from her. She will give you so many tips and tricks, whether it's being a better public speaker or being able to speak in a meeting or anything you're struggling with, she can help you. And I truly hope you guys get out of this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, everyone, Michelle Poehler. Michelle, thank you so much for coming. How are you today? Thank you. I'm great. I'm happy to be back in New York. (laughs) So where were you before um, New York? So I was, I've been traveling like crazy these past couple of weeks. Like I had, because I'm a speaker now, so I had an event, let me think, okay, because it's not easy (laughs) to go back and it was just a few days ago, but I was in Houston first speaking at a company of uh, energy, energy company. Um, It's called Centerpoint Energy. Yeah, there. And from there, I traveled to Ohio to speak at the Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And yeah, it was really cool. And from there, I went to Orlando to uh, speak at a huge, huge event for women, which was awesome. It was called the Women Food Forum. So it's all all for women in the food industry. So women that work at Coca-Cola, at Red Robin, or KFC, like all this uh, chain, super cool. And from there, I, I flew back to New York for two days to be at the Rachel Ray show here and record uh, the episode. That was really cool. And from here, I went to Miami because it was Passover and I was celebrating the holidays with my family there. So we just got back. Wow, you have a busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, and I'm leaving on Wednesday to Atlanta. And then from there, we're going to Rome. I have a huge, huge event in Rome. Wow, thank you so much for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, no. (laughs) I try to fit, you know, podcasts and meeting new people whenever I can. So it's great that it worked out. Yeah. So for people who don't know who you are or are not familiar with your work, tell us a little bit bit about yourself. So, um, okay. So I was born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela. 
And at the age of 19, I decided to move to the U.S. to go to school here. So I moved to Savannah, Georgia. Like, my dream was always to move to New York since I was very little. But I was just too afraid to live in the city. I was like, I don't think I'm New York material. Like, I'm such a fearful girl. So I moved to Savannah, which seemed like a very cute, small town. And I fell in love with Savannah. Like, so I spent four years there and... And then I moved to Miami because I was already engaged to my husband and he was living there. And I was not very excited to move to Miami because I really wanted to come to New York and I'm very career driven. Mm -hmm. And I knew that New York was the place to be uh, in advertising. That was what I was doing at the time. I was Mm -hmm. graduating from SCAD as an art director and graphic designer. And I got a job at YNR, the agency in Miami so I accepted it moved there got married and we were living in Brickell at the time and I was like not I it, it's a closest to New York when you're in Miami mm-hmm. so my husband used to tell me imagine we're walking in New York as we would walk <laughs> everywhere and I'm like I'm done imagining like I just want to move to New York so when the school of visual arts said that they were creating this master's in branding program and at that time I was pretty sure that I was not very much into advertising but way more into branding I knew that I had to get in and do that program it was already their fifth year so I was like oh maybe it's already like a established thing and and it's pretty good already so I applied and it was really hard to get in because apparently like a thousand people apply a year I don't know if it's more already and only 20 something people get in but this was my pass to move from Miami to New York and my husband said if you get in we're moving like we're doing this but if you don't we're staying so I like put all of my effort into this application I worked as hard as I've never worked in my life for something Mm -hmm. and I got in and um, one of the projects at the School of Visual Arts this branding program was to do a 100 day project Mm-hmm. and we all knew that like it was even like a reason why I applied like I liked everything about the program and I knew that that was coming so I thought it was really cool so I kept thinking what can I do for 100 days I started thinking about this even before I started classes mm-hmm. in the fall when we start classes Debbie Millman who runs the program tells us do not think about the 100 day project like please do me that favor and, and <laughs> like focus on what you have to focus right now. But obviously you can't stop thinking about that. You're like, wow, in the spring we will have to do something for 100 days and I want to have the best idea ever. Yeah. And so when we were approaching that day, we had two exercises that we had to do prior to that. And while doing those, I realized how fearful I am in comparison to the rest of the world and also how my fears were limiting my life and we're going to limit my future and I'm a very ambitious person so when I realized that because of my fears I was never going to achieve Mm -hmm. all my dreams my goals then at that point I knew that I had to face all of my fears and so I was like, oh, my God, I have a 100-day project in my hands. And I'm glad I, you know, I went through this process uh, to get here. And I didn't, like, 
did the first idea that came to my mind, which was something related, obviously, to like graphic design or branding. But and and what I try to do is to incorporate what I was learning in branding and applying it to fear. So I branded this project, and because uh, I was like, can you brand an emotion? I don't know. And I at the time, the project uh, Jessica Walsh and Tim Goodman, uh, Forty Days of Dating was very popular mm-hmm. and I was I thought if they were able to brand love and dating in this fun and engaging way maybe I can brand fear in a, mm-hmm. in a similar way mm-hmm. so I created all these elements and guidelines and I was not only facing a fear day but I was recording myself on YouTube and you know putting these videos on YouTube editing them the best that I can I learn about editing videos uh, I bought a GoPro I bought a selfie stick because I had to record myself facing the fears most of the time uh-huh. and I created the system where every single day I would not only upload a video but I would fill out an emoji meter so I created uh, these like uh, way to measure the level of fear before, during, and after each of the challenges, because I don't want people to think that frying food is as scary as doing skydiving. Uh-huh. So this was an, a nice way to let communicate, yeah. you know, how afraid actually I am of this fear. Some are just a little, I'm a little bit afraid of them, and some I'm yeah. like about to pass out. So, and then how I felt during, if it was as bad as I thought, or even worse, or how I, and how I felt after the uh-huh. fears. Normally, I would be very scared at the beginning, somewhat scared in the middle, and then very relieved at the end. Like, that was the normal, um, you know, day for me. So, yeah, I started facing my fears every single day for 100 days in a row. And I started with little fears. And then when the project went viral, which was around day 40 of the project... I I got I got a lot of followers and that was awesome and messages like thousands and thousands of messages from people all over the world which is amazing but then I also got some criticism of people saying that those are not real fears that these are things they do on a daily basis that I'm just trying to you know get the attention from the media and all of it and they were real fears but it, you know they were kind of right in the sense that I was not facing my biggest fears yeah. I was just facing smaller fears. So that maybe I was not ready to go for yeah. the biggest, bigger fears in the beginning. So at that point, I was like, I have to prove the haters wrong. I need to face fears that they cannot say that they do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I started doing bigger things. And like that week, I grabbed a tarantula, a snake. <laughs> I did skydiving that week. I quit my job a couple of days later. Wow. I post nude in front of a drawing class so I did things that people were like oh my god now I do respect what you're doing like this is awesome the problem is that I was um the fears that I faced at the beginning the, the smaller fears were the ones that went viral so if you look at my channel the fears with more views are like the stupid master like really silly like waxing like getting a Brazilian wax or <laughs> frying food or getting a the piercing, like those are smaller fears, and it's frustrating because I have like skydiving and, and, and posing nude and all these crazy ones, and, and crowd surfing, and they're awesome videos because I, I, I was getting better and better at editing also and creating like storytelling at the videos and everything. So those don't have as much views because they were not part of the virality wave that happened at the beginning. 
But anyways, all of it like got me a lot of um, followers on YouTube, which was awesome. I went from like um, 100 views a video to almost a million views wow. in some of my videos. And then from there, my last fear that I did was speaking at TEDx. I love that I yeah, like that was one of the biggest challenges that I faced because it was not only public speaking, but it was, um, I had a lot of pressure to deliver an amazing speech because I had so many people like waiting for this last year to happen and they were expecting something yeah. great. So, oh my God, the pressure was huge. And also all my professors from SBA were um, helping me develop my talk and helping me practice and do the best that I can. So I had to, you know, impress yeah. a lot. So after doing TED um, and, and and sharing my story with the world and, you know, spreading this message of facing your fears, I started to get calls from companies to go speak at their events. Wow. So that was awesome because that's what allowed me to turn a personal project into a real business that I can keep going and, and it's amazing to get paid to inspire other people. So I feel I have the best job in the world. That's amazing. So how did you come up with all the fears? Because I've watched all your videos, like from one to day 100. And you start with like eating, you don't like eating clams. So you start with like your fear of eating clams. Then you get piercing. Then you pose nude, like by I think day 50 or something. You do skydiving. You go to... Holocaust Museum in Washington and all this thing. So did you come up with all of your fears in the beginning of your project or is it like... Yeah, so that, that's a good question. The way I did it was very interesting, I think, because at the beginning I thought, oh, I can easily think of 100 fears. Like, obviously I've been avoiding fear my entire life, so this should be easy. So I started writing it down and suddenly I hid um, 20 things and I can't keep going. I was like... Wait, 20? No way, I can't start a project. If I only have 20 fears, there's no way, like, you know, I need help. So in that moment, I decided to go to Facebook and ask. I have, like, a thousand friends, well, you know, quote-unquote friends, <laughs> friends on Facebook. Some of them know me. And so I was like, for those of you who do know me, you know that I'm a very fearful person and I want to face all my fears. So starting next week, I will face 100 fears in 100 days, but I need help because I need to build a list of things. So I asked them, can you help me uh, or you know, suggest ideas and fears that maybe you are afraid and then if I can relate to those, I will add them to my list. So I had around 70 or 80 comments in there wow. of people suggesting lists of things that I should do. So that was pretty awesome because that helped me take my list from 20 things to 60 things. Wow. So that was really helpful. But what what was the best out of all of this is that I not only like grew my list with uh, fears that I can face, but I also grew like a community around mm -hmm. my project. That was really cool. So uh, I had suddenly like hundreds of people who were very excited to watch me face my fears, follow the project along, along. And when the project went viral, these were the people that were sharing it like crazy because they saw me on the news and they were like, oh, I knew about the project since the beginning or I was part of it or I suggested that fear. So these were people that were completely involved in the project and I had like a support network on my Facebook since the beginnings, which felt really nice. So I'm glad I involved 
all these people and did it that way. Yeah, and also you said when you first started for like 40 days, you had like just 100 or 200 views. And I've watched your videos and every video you can tell you put so much effort and work into it. So what kept you going even if you weren't getting the response that you had expected, I would say? So it's interesting because maybe if I would have done this on my own, I would have stopped at day 15, who knows. Mm -hmm. But since it was part of a class, I felt like I needed to deliver because I already committed myself to doing so. And I actually I wanted to impress you know, my professors, my classmates, I wanted to impress Debbie Millman, who, you know, asked us to do this project. Mm -hmm. So that was like part of my motivation. Also, I wanted to um, impress and make proud, like make my husband proud. Because uh, he said he was very excited <laughs> for me to face my fear. So I wanted to prove him that I could actually go through with it and, and um, actually finish the project. And after that, like when it went viral, then it was just a motivation to inspire other people. But before it went viral, like a, a week maybe before, I got a message from a friend that I haven't seen for I, at least three years from college he, who uh, wrote me saying, hey, your project is very inspiring and I've been facing daily fears like at my job or my daily life just because I'm inspired by you. So when I saw that, I was like, if she's inspired, maybe other people are also inspired, but they're just not sharing it. Mm -hmm. And if this has the power to inspire one person, I'm sure it can inspire way more than that. So at that point, I was like, if this goes viral, this can actually help a lot of people. So I feel like I attracted mm -hmm. that virality with my thoughts because, you know, I believe a lot in the power of attraction, law yeah. of attraction. Wow. So how can someone overcome fear right now? So someone who's listening to this podcast right now who probably hates their job or who wants to start a project, but they're so scared because of failure. How do you think they can overcome that or what steps that they can take today that will put them in a path of pursuing their dreams? Yes. So for example, there's one tool that I use a lot I've been using it for the last year and it's helped me a lot to make like bolder decisions and, and actually go through bigger fears that are more like not just holding a tarantula or, you know, or eating something I'm not into or whatever, but uh, bigger fears that can actually affect my life in, in a bigger way, right? Like career wise or, uh, you know, life wise. Mm -hmm. And it is to focus on the reward instead of on the risk. Mm. Um, there's uh, I've been researching a lot about fear and apparently we have two primary systems that influence every decision that we make so we have this is uh, by Jeffrey Gray and we have the behavioral inhibition system and the behavioral activation system so behavioral inhibition system is the one that focuses on, on the risk and stop us from taking action so it's that when you, you know, you're going to cross the street and, and you see a car and you immediately think of the risk. So, you know, you stop, you don't cross the street and, and, and it's great. But then the behavioral activation system focuses on the reward and it's what encourages you to take action. Mm -hmm. So when you're, it's not a life or death situation and if you, and the risk is not about just dying, you know, or, mm -hmm. or going homeless or like something like that but it's just fear of failure in general, you have to then try to shift your mindset and go from 
focusing on the risk to focus on the reward. Hmm. And that is very, very powerful. So what I do is I write down a list of the risk and a list, list of the rewards. And then if the risks are not, you know, like life or death situations, it's just risk of failure or rejection or whatever, then I, I completely shift my focus, try to, um, you know, understand what's the reward in it, focus on that and use that as my motivation to keep going. And what also we do is we try to separate, we do is me and my husband because we're in this together, he quit his job. <laughs> to join me full time. So now, yeah, it's like our project. And this is the way we're making decisions. We're trying to always identify which one is the growth option and which one is the safety option. And if you choose the safety option, you will always be going back into fear. But if you choose the growth option, you will be moving forward. And the best way to tell them apart is because the growth option is always the scarier one. Mm So whenever we have like two options in front of us and we're like, oh my God, should we like accept this um, partnership with this person or should we reject it? And if we reject it, if it's because of fear, then we're just going back into safety. But if, you know, so if we identify that this can help us grow, even though there's a risk involved or whatever, but if it can help us grow and get where we want to be, then we choose that option, the growth option. Do you think you would have this mindset if you hadn't done that project? No, like my mindset before the project was like fear is a sign for me to detour. It's an obstacle in the way that I need to like find a way to not go that way. I don't know. Like that was the way to see fear because I never faced a fear in my life, at least not voluntarily. Like if I had to, but not because I wanted to. It was not like, oh, that's a fear. Let me face it. No, if there's a fear in the way and I can avoid it, I would do everything to avoid facing that fear. And I still, I thought I was like achieving goals. So I was like, I'm still achieving things. Why do I need to face fears? Like life can be, you know, comfortable and that's fine. But then I realized that when you face your fears, you get to where you want to be way faster. And then, you know, it's, you feel so much like proud of yourself after you do that, that you don't want to choose the easy or comfortable road ever because you may never get there or you will get there in like 10 years. Because let me tell you, what I, the exercise I did before my starting the 100-day project was to write your perfect life 10 years from today. Mm. And, and they asked us, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Like, and they encouraged us to dream big. So I wrote all these things down and then the second exercise we did was find one obstacle that can get in the way. And my one obstacle was fear. Mm. And I overcame my fears. And not only that, but I was willing to face fears. I realized that I achieved my 10 year plan in a couple of months. Wow. Yeah. Many many of the things that I wrote in my plan I'm doing now. And I never thought they were going to be possible. Not even in 10 years. I was like, if this happened in 10 years, I'll be so happy. And suddenly I'm doing like, I wrote in there that I was going to do a TEDx talk, that I was going to inspire people with my story. And I had no story at the time, but I thought I was going to have a story in 10 years to, to share. And I wrote that I was going to be working with my husband, um, you know, as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Things that I thought maybe were going to be possible 10 years from that day. And that was two years ago. 
Wow, that is so inspiring. You said like you quit your job and you know, I I mean I'm 23 year old and I have a lot of friends who hate their job and they're still in their job because that's their source of income, you know? And and I try to tell, oh, maybe you should take some classes on weekends or maybe you should do something on weekends so you can figure out another path and people would not take that as an option. What advice would you give to a 20-something-year-old who hates their job but are not taking any actions to, uh, you know, have another path? Yeah, no, it's, like, really hard because I was... I was at that point, like I started working in advertising and my first day at my job, I cried because I, I hated it. I was like, oh, this is advertising. I'm not liking this. This is not what they told me in school. Because you, you know? dreamt about it all your life and you had everything and you hated it. Yeah. So uh, I was, and I worked there for three years yeah. and I didn't know any better. You know, like I was like, I'm miserable. I really don't like my job, but what else can I do? Like. I don't know, like I was so close-minded in that way that I, I had no idea what else to do. So on my weekends and nights, I was doing freelance and I was enjoying my freelance so much. And then I realized why I was enjoying freelance so much. And it was because I was enjoying the branding aspect, not so much the advertising because uh, these clients were completely like starting their, their companies and they were saying, oh, I have this fashion store can you help me brand it mm -hmm. so it was not about selling a product it was about branding a store yeah. same thing with um other brands that i was working with and i was like this is why so it was nice to at least acknowledge what i was liking what i was hating and then in my what i did is that in my job i started to incorporate that i was like you know what, if I'm not enjoying advertising that much, how can I do branding inside of my actual job so I don't need to quit and go somewhere else? So I talked to my boss and I asked him, can I brand this uh, small client that we have? Like we had a small, uh, the smallest client in the agency was very open to any ideas because they, they didn't have all the money to do the big things or, or you know, so many layers to approve the art or, or the ideas. So I went from working in the biggest uh, client, like Hershey's and um, AT&T and FedEx, to working for the smallest client. But it was an amazing shift for me because I was able to rebrand mm -hmm. little by little their company. So wow. that was amazing. So I was starting to actually enjoy my job. And that's why I kept it when I started doing my master's in branding. I actually wanted to work during the day and do the master's at night because you can. Wow. And, and I was enjoying it a lot at that point. But then I quit and I, my idea was to actually find a job in branding. And so I did the master's in branding so I could find a job. But then actually I hired myself and now I'm an entrepreneur. That's awesome. But, but yeah, what I would suggest is exactly what you're saying. Try different things and try to identify what about your job you don't like. And if there's one thing about it that you enjoy, how can you get more into that area? Maybe it's not at that place, maybe somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you need, yeah, like you say, to take classes uh, about for that or, yeah. you know, to improve. Or maybe what I love now is personal projects. So I did my 100-day project and look what it took me. So what I would advise anyone is to start a personal project. It doesn't have to be 100-day one, yeah. but that's good because it gives you like discipline to actually do one thing a day. So you were working full-time, going to college at night, and doing freelance on weekends? 
No, so I was working full time, doing my masters at night, and I was facing my fears every single day during lunchtime or in my weekends. But I was not doing freelance at that point. Like I stopped my freelance when I moved to New York because it was too much, obviously, for me to handle all of it. How did you manage your time? So every day I would wake up and think, okay, what fear can I face today? And if it's uh, something that I can do during my lunchtime, like going to the one time I was like, okay, I'm going to ask for money in the street and I can do that during the lunchtime. That's good. So I did that. <laughs> but then the next day I did like going to the Central Park Zoo to pet the animals, which I'm terrified of doing that. <laughs> so every fear that I, it was, you know, small enough that I could do on uh, lunchtime, that I, then I would do it. Bigger ones I would do on a weekend. And also my husband was helping me a lot to uh, manage the project because I had no time. Like I would come back home every day around 10 or 11 p.m. And I still had to edit a video to upload the next day. So that was very crazy. Um, And I I was doing homework for for my classes because I still had to deliver. And then I started doing my thesis. So when my thesis started... I just had to quit. I was like, I cannot do all of these things at the same time, plus virality. Like, I had to answer emails and interviews and podcasts every single day. So that's why I quit my job at that point. Like, it was day 59 of the project because I couldn't take it anymore. And then, yeah, my husband, every day he would tell me, like, tomorrow you're flying a plane. And then the next day you're jumping out of a plane. And then the next day you're painting a 70-year-old man nude <laughs> you know things like that oh my god is there a way you like managed your time or because i mean i don't do half of what you do and i'm like overwhelmed sometimes and like did you meditate or how were you able to stay sane wow i was using this device called think which is spelled t-h-y-n-c okay. think T-H- okay. so that now it's changing a little bit, but you used to put it in your forehead and you control it via Bluetooth with your app. And then I would put there that I need to relax. And so whenever I had my heart beat like super fast and I was very, very stressed out, that thing would, um, it, it's like uh, vibes that connect to your uh, neuro system, whatever, and it helps you calm down. So after 15 minutes or 20 minutes of doing that, I can feel the difference. I was like, oh, I'm so relaxed now. That I, and it was more than relaxed. It was also very, like, I felt unapologetic a little bit. Like, you know, I, I was so stressed that I had to answer to my boss and then to my school and then do the fears. And I felt I was disappointing so many people at the same time by not doing my best because I was doing so many things. And after using the device, I was like, I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. Now I'm going to face my fears, so I'll do it. And if they, my boss gets mad, well, she, would have, she will have to deal with it. So it really helped that device. And other than that, I was very excited and happy doing it. So at no point I felt like, why did I get into this? Because I was just so happy and satisfied and fulfilled. Because I don't think ever in my life I felt full, as fulfilled mm-hmm. as when I was facing my fears and and that was an amazing feeling because I, I I don't know before I was very shopaholic I would love to go shopping and my mom would always tell me Michelle you're just trying to fill like a gap that you have in there somewhere like you're trying to 
to feel fulfilled by buying clothes and that's not ever going to happen. And she was so right. And then when I started facing my fears, I never in my life again felt that need to like go shopping desperately to, you know, fill a gap or something. Yeah. Wow. Also, I want to talk your relationship with your husband. I've watched your videos and you guys are like relationship goals. And you say you work with him too. So would you want to give any advice on like finding your soulmate or like how to maintain that level of um, love and commitment? Yes, definitely. I love that because <laughs> I think it's so important to be with the right person for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard. What? How did you guys meet? So we met, we're like the typical high school sweethearts. Like, well, we were in the same high school, so we used to go in the same school bus because he's um, three years older than me in terms of school. So I, was, I hated my school bus, but he was there and I really liked him. But I never thought he would pay attention to me because I was like, 12 at the time, you know, and he was already like 15, well, 14, 15, and he was a big, you know, big guy for me, I don't know, so when he already graduated, and I was in my last year of high school, we met again, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, is this the guy from school bus, I really liked him, and I still like him a lot, and I, thankfully, I broke up with my boyfriend at the time, like, uh, that week, I don't know, I was like, oh, I can't date him now, so... I saw him, I immediately like fell in love and, and he saw me and he thought the same thing. He's like, oh, the girl from the bus, she's there. So we like immediately hit it up, we started dating and I was like, when we get married, this and that. And he was like, can you stop talking about marriage? We are like 17 years old. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we're getting married. You don't know that yet, but I know it. So, you know, six years later, we got married. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because when I was uh, 23, we got married, and now I'm 28, and we'll be like six or six years married, I think, this year. Wow. Yeah. So how is it like being with him and working with him together as well? So, um, so yeah, I think that finding the right the right partner for you is like the most important decision that you can make in your entire life, and many people just settle because of fear, fear of not finding anyone else that is better, fear of no one loving you or or ending up alone, and that will never happen. I think that if you have patience and you know what you want, Mm -hmm. you will find that. It doesn't matter how long it takes you, but you have to have patience. Like, I was very lucky that I found him when I was 17, but I've seen my friends who are, we're almost, you know, 30, well, we're 28 now, and now they're finding the love of their life. And I'm so happy for them because they never settled before. They waited mm-hmm. until the, the right person came along. Because when that happens, like, everything will fall, fall into place. And sometimes you can work with your partner. Sometimes you can't. doesn't mean that the relationship is better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way that you work together and how your skills overlap or complement each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, like the art and creative mind and he's very like numbers and and very rational mind so we complement each other very nicely like i i always knew i wanted to work with him because he has everything i don't have and i have what he's he doesn't have Mm -hmm. so um i don't know it's been working out so amazing because we respect each other a lot and i think that respect and admiration 
is one of the most important things. Actually, I did a video, like you should check it out. It's on my YouTube channel. So if you find their Hello Fears, mm -hmm. uh, go find the video called Finding Mr. Right. Because I tell like what you should take into consideration when finding the right person for you. And yeah, so if you respect and admire each other, then it's a way to, to work together because then you'll always listen and understand that that person has a valid point of view and you will always um, support that as well. So whenever he has an opinion, I always listen uh, to him and I try to see how can we incorporate that even though if I agree or I don't agree, we try to always find a middle because mm -hmm. we do know that we both have um, an opinion and it matters. So, Wow, I'll definitely check that video out. Um, also, what are some of the fears that stops people? Because I know you've done so much research on fears. Are there like some like pattern of fears? Because I listened to your TED talk and you said it's not the piercing that people are scared of. It's the pain. Like list of Yeah, fears. so what I did is I divided fear into universal, cultural and personal fears. And so universal fears we all have and are pretty similar. Like we are all or at least the majority of the people are afraid of pain afraid of heights, afraid of uh, dangerous mm -hmm. uh, creatures, because it's about uh, survival more mm -hmm. than anything else. So I think they're normal fears to have, and I would not be too concerned about overcoming universal fears unless they're limiting your life to another extreme, you know? But if you're afraid of um, spiders, it's not like you're going to be facing spiders every day of your life mm -hmm. unless you live in a place like Costa Rica probably that has a lot of spiders and then you don't want to leave your home in that way then you should definitely be concerned about overcoming universal fears like those but other than that um, cultural fears are all the ones that has to have to do with disappointing the people around you and and rejection and not belonging so those fears stop people a lot so make it makes people do things that maybe doesn't make them happy or maybe they don't even want to do, but they do it because they want to satisfy the people around them. They want to belong to this society. And, and it's so sad to see that some people would not even show their true selves because they're afraid to disappoint their parents. They're afraid to get rejected by society in some way or another. So social fears are, are huge, huge, and it really limit people's life. And then as far as personal fears is, uh, the fear of failure and and hurting all the fears that have to do with hurting your own self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, that's the those are the like biggest fears that stop people. So uh, cultural fears and personal fears about you know belonging and self-esteem. If you look at from Maslow pyramid. Wow. And guys, you have to listen to our TED talk. It is absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you some rapid-fire questions just to get to know you a little bit better. Okay, um, just to warn you, I'm not good at those. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your time. Okay. <laughs> so what are some of the misconceptions about you? Uh, huh, misconceptions about me? Okay, so people now think that I'm fearless because I face all those fears, and mm -hmm. I'm not even close to fearless. I don't actually even support fearless as a word or as a <laughs> way to live life. So um, I do have many fears. I'm still very anxious about the little things in life. Mm -hmm. But now instead of perceiving every fear as an obstacle, I see it as an opportunity. So I have the will to face my fears 
which I didn't before. Okay. What do people never ask you that you wish they did? Um, I can tell you what they always ask and I wish they didn't, (laughs) which which is, which is, which, which one is my biggest fear? Like which one was the biggest fear? And I hate that question because once you do those fears and you realize it was not as bad as you thought, it's really hard to say, Oh, skydiving was the worst one when actually skydiving I would do again, even though I was very scared of it. You know? So that question I don't like, and the question I would like them to ask and I never asked. Once I got this question, and I think it's very interesting, and I only got it once, mm-hmm. and I wish I had the more, more like the chance to talk about this a little bit more, is the fact that I come from Venezuela. So this person said, you come from Venezuela, but you are in New York facing your fears. Like, wasn't scary to live in Venezuela that you had to move to New York to face fears? That's I thought that was a very question. interesting question. Wow. It was for a psychology podcast, so, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And, and yeah, so what that's one answer? question. I, well, the thing is that in Venezuela, um, it's very, very dangerous mm-hmm. to live just a normal life, to walk to school. Like I was never, I, well, I lived like 15 minutes away from my school. Never in my life I walked to school. It's that dangerous that you always have to be in a car. And nowadays it's even worse. Now you have to be in an armored car. With your windows closed, I, at least I could have my windows open when I was living in Venezuela, you know, at the time when I was little. But now you can't even uh, open your windows. Like, that's so dangerous. Um, and so when you're living there, you can't even do normal things that you can do somewhere else. So how are you supposed to go outside of your comfort zone, get vulnerable, and face fears? You know, like, you can actually get killed. So when I moved to New York, I was like, wow, I can do all these things and no one will, like, kidnap me or, you know, rape me or, like, kill me, you know, obviously, things like that happen everywhere in the world, but it's not common as it is Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So, when you can't even leave your house after 6 p.m. because it's too dangerous, how can you, like, you know, do all the things that I was doing here, like, walking around New York in a bikini? Those things, like, you will not survive if you do that in Venezuela. Wow. So, that's why I had to actually move to New York, a safe place, to then face my own personal fears and limitations <laughs> wow wow um what are two books you would recommend wow okay so the first book i would recommend is the war of art by stephen Hartfield. yeah i need to read it again because yeah. i'm now starting i need to start my book and i need this book it's free <laughs> on youtube if you want to listen as an audio I, I I already have the Audible downloaded, yeah. so and yeah, and I, and I bought it physically because I needed to like copy paste some of the things, and I use it a lot in my presentation. Some of their quotes, yeah. it's so awesome that like it really inspired my 100 day project and my life. So that's the one book, and then another book um, that I recommend. I think I really like Girl Boss from Sofia Maruso. Love that book, yeah. If you if you see like my where where I'm sitting my desk yeah you would see that I have Sophia watching me at all times so I have her facing me so I get inspired and also I get this pressure to She's like keep working boss. have you thought about <laughs> writing a book yeah so that's what I am working on wow that's yeah awesome. so just in the brainstorming stage like what are the possible ideas and how can I do this so I'm in that stage okay I will definitely buy it yeah <laughs> 
Um, any uh, documentary or movie you would recommend? Um, well, I really enjoyed the documentary on HBO called Class Divide. It's really cool about a high school in Chelsea, in New York here. Okay. Uh, and the difference in social like classes with the project that is right in front of this private school. Oh, wow. Okay. An amazing documentary. And now I do want to watch 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Okay. And I want to watch Minimalism. Minimal, yeah. Minimal, Minimal, yeah. Minimalist or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I want to watch that. Yeah. They have their podcasts, so they're pretty good. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh my god, you have to go to my YouTube I channel. Did, I did, I knew you would be happy with this question. Because <laughs> I write every single week, I write a letter yeah. to my younger self. Because if you ask someone what advice you, you can like spend days talking about the different advice you would give to your younger <laughs> self, all the different topics. So just yesterday I wrote my script for this week uh -huh. that I'll be talking about materialism. And it's a little bit of how I was just talking to you about uh, the advice that I would give her is that stop shopping and start creating experiences, start um, creating impacts, and start achieving personal goals. Because so those are the three things that will give you the fulfillment that you're looking for, not clothes or shoes. Like, I want to ask this from my personal experience. You've been like so successful with everything you've done, and you're still so vulnerable, and you're still so relatable. How are you able to stay in ground while being so successful? Uh, I, I think that relatability and vulnerability are one of my main features that uh, make my projects in general successful. So it's really important for me to keep those two qualities always mm. and understand that those are the ones that make people want to, uh, you know, follow my lead, like actually um, get inspired by me and, and follow the projects that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So the moment that I stop being vulnerable and relatable like to them, then I will be nothing. Like yeah. so, uh, the thing is that I am very like honest in general with my life and that's even a problem sometimes. Like I say things I shouldn't, but I don't even know, like it's just the truth. Mm -hmm. So so my husband is always saying, Michelle, I know that you feel like that, but don't say that. <laughs> I go to a speaking event and the organizer asks me how I am, mm -hmm. and I'm like very nervous. And he's like, do not say that to the organizer. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sorry, I feel, I'm feeling very nervous. <laughs> so I'm extremely like, honest since I was very little. Okay. So and also, you're so good with your content and, you know, like every week you have new content and you're collaborating with people like Mary Kay and, you know, I'm sure there is more to come. So what advice would you give to someone who is trying to have content creation and who's just starting out in podcast world or YouTube? Like, like what suggestion or advice would you give? So I think that collaboration is an amazing tool, not only to grow your following base, because that I don't think that's the reason why I do it. I do it because I want to expand my circle mm -hmm. of people that I know and surround myself with people that I feel are super cool and, and good people at the same time. So, but in order to get there and to get other people to want to collaborate with you, you have to do awesome job, like an awesome job on your own first. So. 
what I did is I started my YouTube channel just about me. I tried to do the best that I can with it. And when I have something that I'm proud of to show, then I reach to other people. So like, don't ever think that to start, you need to collaborate because no one will pay attention if you can't prove mm -hmm. that you are actually adding value in some way or another. So just first go do that and then you'll be able to reach out and feel good about it. You will feel that you have value to add to the other person as well. So maybe I don't have as many as many followers as Mayor K, who has almost one million uh, followers on Facebook, which is amazing, and double or triple what I have on YouTube. But I know that my videos will add value to him because I will be, you know, asking questions that his audience never heard before, you know, from from him to answer. Um, I'll do my videos in the most creative way to add like funny things and mm -hmm. and you know like actually create an amazing video that he will be able to share as part of his content. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's I think also being consistent and persistent with your work because you are so consistent with it as well. That's the most important thing. Like if you commit to something, actually you have to get, you know, like do it. Because if you commit to doing 100 days of something and then on day 15 or 20 you stop, no one will ever like trust you when you start the next thing. Mm -hmm. They will say, oh, but the last thing, what happened? You know, since I was able to finish that, now that I started another 100 day project, everybody's excited because they know that I will actually deliver mm -hmm. a one post a day for the next 100 days so they can rely on my content absolutely credibility um it's so good talking to you i have likewise last, yeah i have a last question what's your definition of courage wow so if you go to my instagram you will see my new campaign called courage is so i am posting one post a day of a definition of courage, not, not even a definition, but a situation. Because I think courage is the smallest, tiniest thing that you did that it required, you know, courage to do. Like, if, if you're a, list, a little bit afraid of it or uncomfortable and you did it, that takes courage. And I'm very proud of that. Like, mm -hmm. So even what I put there, like returning a drink that you're not satisfied with or a meal, that you order and actually you didn't like it you don't have to eat it you don't need to actually pay for something that you're not mm -hmm. um, happy with but returning a, a meal or a drink takes courage to do for some people it doesn't so, but if it does for you then do it mm -hmm. because then you will feel very proud that you did it and you got what you wanted and now you're not only paying for it but you're actually happy eating it so courage really is like the smallest things okay. in life Awesome. If listeners want to follow you, where should they find you? On Facebook, Instagram? So they can go to my YouTube channel and find Hello Fears there and subscribe to it because I'm uploading a weekly video mm -hmm. about, um, you know, yeah, things in, in life that takes courage. Also on Instagram, they can go to Hello Fears, same thing, mm -hmm. and they will see my new 100-day uh, project that I just started 11 days ago. And on Facebook, Hello Fierce as well. And then if they're on Snapchat, they can find, this is harder, Days, W-O, like without fear. So that's harder. It's okay if you don't want to follow it. No, no, I'll put, the link, <laughs> I'll put the link on my show notes. So guys, awesome. follow her. I follow her and it inspires me every single day. Um, no, thank you. I'm inspired by you that you're 23 and starting your podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> I wish I would start things when I was 23. I can't go back now, but 
I mean, so you're... younger self. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. No, my pleasure. <laughs> this was awesome. Hey, you guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe because every single week I will come up with awesome and epic interviews like this one. And do not forget to check out my website, limitlessgrid.com for show notes.